0: everyone. Welcome back or welcome to an all new episode of the 20% Podcast. This is the show that brings you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you could implement in your current job today. I'm your host, Tyler Meckes, and I've been so excited for this conversation for a very long time. This week's guest was there for the beginning of my professional career. He was sitting right next to me when we were in the, I'll say, maybe BDR days of hitting the phone calls hard and really pushed each other back and forth uh, 70, 80 phone calls a day. Then he was also in the room when I first got to touch podcast equipment. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming my good friend, Mr. Kurt Folk. Kurt, welcome to the 20% Podcast, my friend.
1: It is good to finally be here. I'm excited to to chat and kick this off. And yes, I was there Back when you were a scared little new podcaster with a ton of ideas, and we were trying to figure out how to get microphones to connect and work, I, I was there for it. It was it was good times, and who knew who knew what would come from that?
0: Yes, and now you are episode 180 of the show, three and a half years later, however long it's been. Um, and I feel like um we've grown so much, and we've had so many um different experiences in the meantime as well. So I'm really excited to to talk about that. But Kurt, let's first and foremost let's talk about um when we first, you know, because I think it's really interesting now, there's a huge difference uh, from when we were both, you know, both selling, right? We've, we've gained a lot of experience in the past what five years or so. Tell me from your perspective, sitting next to me during those conversations, any big memories, thoughts, feedback, besides the fact that you would be that person who would be like, dude, that message is terrible. You need to do something differently about that, which I I appreciate (laughs) that so much too, as well. It
1: was good. Well, we both we both did it. It was a good thing. We were both like kind of I don't want to say new. I had a little bit of sales experience, but fairly new into this software, hardware space. And we would both like look over at each other at certain points and be like, "Slow down," because it's you just get going and you want to get your message out there and on to the next call. But like, so some of my memories were. Um, and we started with another guy, Jeff. We would sit down and we would just listen to you, and we would listen to you, just like do, 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 and leave your message and click and go right to the next message. And it was like you were winning awards for most dials and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't even comprehend how he's making this many dials in the day and still pushing out orders and all that different stuff. So I just remember, like, you had this map and this plan, and you were very willing to show it to anybody who who wanted to listen about like, this is what I'm doing. And our, at the time the CRM tool was garbage. So like we didn't have a clear view of what they were buying from us and what they weren't. You had built this massive spreadsheet so that you knew other areas to touch on when you had a next touch point of call. Like I was like, this guy has never been in sales before, but God, Lee, he's organized. Like I can learn some things from this. So that was the big things on just, I think, us bouncing stuff off of each other, asking questions, um, telling each other to slow down when we needed to slow down, because we both like to talk fast. We got a lot to say, right? You know what, we both have a lot to say.
0: You know what's really funny, so, Kurt, That's literally my goals now. You talk to my manager. You talk to, <laughs> like, literally my big focus now is slowing down still five right. years later, right? So no matter how much sales experience you get. There's some things. It's so funny you say that because I'm like I'm almost laughing because I'm. I that's still, funny. It's that excitement, though, right? Because it's like the I'm so, right. I'm passionate about what I'm doing, right? And that yep. passion turns to excitement, which is you know, as John Barrow says, trans. You know, sales is a transferability or the transfer of enthusiasm. So yeah, yeah, it's a good yeah. Thing, but you need to be able to harness and focus that energy. Yep. So thanks for that reminder. Then thanks for it yep. now, and I'm sure you'll have to do it in the future here too. Um, Now, it's interesting, though, because um, you were alluding to like we had a homegrown CRM at the time. And I think that the the big thing that I did was that I found a system or a process. I just developed a process that worked. Um, And I realized that I tweaked it over time. What you saw was definitely not the first version of it. Um, But I think it's a lesson for everybody. Right. No matter where you are, it's always important to, you know, try to be more efficient in what you're doing. In order to be efficient, you need to develop some of those systems so that you could rely on and work forward, too. Um, so I, and I know that you've you've learned a whole bunch of different systems throughout the course of your career. So let's take a step back now. um let's talk a little bit more about your background and and your growing up because, um, as Kurt will tell as well, he was a pastor and then he went into software sales. But before we even talk about being a pastor or I believe you studied sociology, tell me a little bit yeah. more about um and he smiled and Kurt's smiling when he said that too. Talk to me a little bit more about Kurt as a childhood, and I know that you had some adversity that you had to overcome um, then as well. Yeah, so um, the
1: the biggest marker in my childhood, which would throw a lot of people off, and and I will, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk and then I'll say how it's interesting that it isn't a huge marker in my life now, but when I was three and a half, I was diagnosed with retinoblastoma, which is a cancerous tumor in my left eye. So three and a half, my brother was, two weeks old. My parents had a lot of decisions to make in front of them. So they decided at the time, there were a couple options, but they decided to have my left eye removed to try to stop that cancer spread and do that. So the good news is, is I don't remember much about that because I was so small. doesn't mean that there aren't things there that I haven't been working through in counseling and therapy, right? But like that was something for me. So I grew up without a left eye. I grew up with certain, without certain depth perception issues. And honestly, that it was kind of always in my mind as I met people and made sure that people knew that I had that thing. Um, And one of my coping mechanisms was I outed myself about that situation before it got found out, because then I could control the narrative and make light of it or make fun of it to show that it wasn't a big deal. And I really don't think it is a big deal. But as a kid, it was like, how do I protect this so that I'm not made fun of? And it was just like, you know, I'd grab a pen and I would tap on my prosthetic eye or I would threaten to take it out on people, right? (laughs) You know, those things that teenagers do to be noticed because they need attention and things like that. You met me when I was a little bit, a little bit, just a little bit more mature, not much, but a little bit more mature on that. But like that was a coping coping mechanism and trying to figure out how to adapt to that. I was a kid and what I think is interesting because I met somebody at one of my previous jobs who had just been through hell. She had brain cancer. And she would talk to me about this stuff and she was going to go do this, this cancer walk and all this different stuff. And at one point she's like, it feels like what you went through, like didn't affect you as a cancer survivor. And I was like, well, I've never, it's interesting at age 20, something I was then I was like, I never really thought about myself as a cancer survivor. You're right. But I was so small and have just grown up with it that it's been a part of me versus this thing that impacted you at 22 years old that completely changed your life um so it's interesting that like i i am that but i feel like while it has defined certain parts of my life it hasn't defined my life because i was so small that i don't remember it but i guess i guess i am and you know i'm, be- I'm better for it i can't see 3d that ticks me off there's some movies that i want to see you know, and I can't use my kid's Oculus. That ticks me off, too, because I would love to go at that with, like, a lightsaber, and that would be cool. Instead, I'm, like, getting hit from the side, and I don't even know. It. It's not It's not good. So, But other than that, other than that, I'm great.
0: And, Kurt, you always – and I'm, like, cracking up here for those not watching or, or just not listening. I'm, like, shaking my head. This is the same old Kurt from – the literally like the first days that I met him too and I think that there's always been a sense of humor and I think it's important to be make light like you can control that situation there's nothing that you could have ever done but what you could do and, and over time I mean I know it probably wasn't an easy journey uh, I was I want to say fortunately you were that young so that it didn't uh, it may have affected you differently if you were 8 or 12 or even some of the, the ages where your, your kids are now right um, so, so I think it's, um, so I think it's really important that you found some of those coping mechanisms, but, you know, for somebody who has gone through a tough time and they still, um, uh, like are trying to make light of those situations or, or try to overcome that like you did. Um, and by, when I, when I say that more specifically, I'm talking about some of these coping mechanisms or for somebody who's going through one of those tough situations or has in the past, what's your best piece of advice for overcoming some of those situations where you're not necessarily in control?
1: Oh, well, yeah, the The thing I have been learning most in life is how little control that I have. And when I think I have it, get ready, something's going to happen where it reminds me that I don't. So I think uh, my my advice to people, because we're in sales and sales is volatile and there's things that happen and there's movement and there's new go-to-market strategies and all that different stuff. Um, and I don't want to jump forward too far is control what you can control. And the, the thing that really the only thing that you can control is your outlook on life in the midst of those terrible situations. Like, what am I going to do to be positive in this situation? Even if I'm negative, how am I going to move towards positivity? What am I gonna? What else can I control? So at one point in my life, it was like, I don't have control over this, this, or this. You know, I can control my mindset and I can control that I'm going to get myself to the gym every day to feel better. I can't control this financially. I can't control this job related thing, but I can control my outlook and I can control my physical health other than that, everything felt like very out of my control, but like, you just go after those things. I can control how I make my spouse feel. I can, you know, try, I can't really control my kids. You know that, but like, I can control, I don't think you can how control I your them.
0: wife either, but that's a whole different right. topic. I can
1: control how I love, how I love them. Um, and how, how I am there for them in certain situations, but like everything else hold loosely, um, because you, you never know when it's going to get challenged. And, you know, hold it loosely, but be willing to fight for it.
0: No, I love that. And it's like, there's so many examples, even from today or most recently, right? No matter what stage of life we're in, um, you know, you, you mentioned you could focus on your physical health and your your your, uh, added, your mental um, capacity there, I guess, um, at it. I think of it, attitude and effort, right? I can't control anything outside of that. This morning, I was ready to go for a run and I realized it's raining outside. I could have cried and been upset about it, or I put my sweatshirt on and you go and, you you, you know, you go and do it. So there's certain things like that, or you know, hey, we just had our our foundation wall cracked a couple couple of days ago, and we have to spend a couple grand to get it fixed. I in a previous life, I would have been like, oh my god, this is terrible, this is awful, yeah, spiral, spinning out. Yeah. But I was like, all right, well, like we have this hole, and we need to fix it. Like we'll figure it right. out, right? But right. Hey, before, I would have been freaking out, and Kurt shaking his head in agreement here, right? Yeah. If, yeah. if only we had that same ex- – uh, like those lessons earlier, it could have been so much more beneficial, and that's why I really love having some of these conversations and sharing that out in the open for others.
1: Yeah, and I will say, listen, I got up and saw it was raining, and I just ate more bacon, so <laughs> good like to you. <laughs> Kudos to you. I was like, well, it's raining, so clearly I'm having another piece of bacon this
0: morning, so. <laughs> There you go. Hey, guess what? Everybody has different coping mechanisms. <laughs> for, me, for me, it's running and Kurt. It's bacon. Um, it's food. It's
1: just food in general, which is a problem. But yeah, that's good. Um, and
0: this is and this is how you manage being a, a, a professional seller too. But we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, All right. So, so let's talk a little bit more now of, okay, so you overcame this adversity as a young kid and then you're starting to get into those early years of your jobs before you're getting into college. Tell me any of those like first jobs when you're like 16, 17, 18, that had a big impact on you.
1: Oh yeah. I have always looked at and tried to viewpoint that every job is a stepping stone to the next thing. And some of those next things aren't great, but like you learn something from each job. I've always been coachable and teachable and try to do that. So like, you know, first job out of high school, I worked at Red Lobster. I was miserable, right? Like you work terrible hours, you work late at night, but I learned something to put into practice and was thankful that when I moved to a retail job, which a lot of people like retail is the worst way. Well, hey, yes. But I was in a retail job that I didn't smell like fish. Right. <laughs> so like there each was a step and it was more interacting with people in the retail job and kind of trying to sell things. And then that readied me for this next job, which I was thankful to not be on my feet all day in retail, but being at a desk and working for this procurement company and understanding what that meant. And like, so all of those things were a stepping stone in that you take pieces from to the next to make you a better person. Um, so red lobster was, you know, What can I learn here? How do I interact with people? What's expected of me? I got to learn about all the different makeups of people's work ethic and the type of work ethic I wanted to have.
0: Or lack thereof.
1: (laughs) Or what realizing what was instilled in me through my parents right in there, because there's people from all makeups and backgrounds. And I was the guy who was there probably too much working long hours and all that stuff. And they could always call me, you know, and Bose, I really really learned. learned.
0: Eating too many cheddar biscuits too?
1: No, the cheddar biscuits. Here's the, here's the secret. I don't know if it's still true, but you got them for free. You could eat as many as you wanted. And they knew that was the secret because like two weeks in, you, you didn't want to see another cheddar made biscuit for the rest of your life. So note to self, if you really like them, you should work there and it, you will eventually fix your problem. So there you go. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but moving into retail, it was like, okay, there was this selling point and there was it was people facing Uh, I worked for the Bose Corporation, right, for selling speakers and all sorts of equipment. That was the first taste into sales. I couldn't just be like, you want to buy this expensive thing? I had to figure out their needs, figure out their wants, and how our solution could fit to that. So, So that was really my first entrance into that. And I'm super thankful for that now being in sales. The procurement was a fascinating thing as I think back, because we end up generally dealing with procurement at some point in the sales process towards the end when it's getting ready to purchase and all the different things we have to go through. So the way that I break down my comments with procurement is like, I used to be in your thing. You're probably going to need these couple things. How do we get ahead of that? And they're like, how do you know that? I'm just like, I used to do it. Let's, let's handle this now. How do we get through that? So each job is a stepping stone and there's nuggets that can be pulled from it. Even if it was a bad one, take some time and reflect on what you learned out of that thing
0: every single experience you have whether you're actually doing it or i could learn through kurt's experience or i could learn through anybody's experience i think it's yeah. really important that people like there's certain things in life where you have to go through it to to really like be able to get through it right or like yeah. you know if you're a kid or like sometimes you're just not going to believe what somebody says but if you could if you could trust somebody of what they're saying you could and build your build mentors or groups of people to learn from Learning from their failures and their experience is so much better than learning from your own because you could really um, get a lot of those extra foundational building blocks to your, to your success later on, as Kurt was talking about. Yep. Now, I think it's really yep. cool about Kurt because you were talking about um, just like solution selling, right? When you were talking about Bose, you're finding what what they want. You know what your solution is and you're really tying that bridge together. Yep. I think it's really cool that you did that at Bose. You know, I learned that specifically when I was doing like personal training in college because I studied uh, Mm -hmm. exercise science. So really trying to align on what is the goal and what action do we need to take to do that? Um, But I think the other cool thing is that, um, you know, specifically on the procurement side, and I remember too, like when you came in, I remember you taught me a lot about procurement process and getting proactive with those people because you had that experience. So, So thank you for that too, now that I think about it, but what you're doing is you're getting ahead of, you're being proactive of um, reducing any of those potential hurdles. And because you've gone through that in that procurement seat, you understood what those were. And I think that that's why it's so important to open your eyes, even if it's not, even if somebody's talking about a job that you're not really interested in or a domain, you don't know, there's still Uh something that you could learn and you could transfer that to your existing job or your future job, because you never know when you're going to be taking that experience and moving it forward. So Kurt, what what else do you have to say on that topic? Uh, not much. The only thing I was going to give
1: a shout out to my my former director at the company I met with, uh, Sherry, she, you know, was always on our case about like, here are the things that happen that can delay a sale. It's up to you to anticipate those things because you've seen it happen. Don't come to the end of the year when everybody's trying to wrap up the end of the year and then start asking your questions on, I know you want this, what's it going to take to get done and find out everybody's on vacation. Like tackle those things early. Like Good sellers are asking those things early, saying, hey, there's a procurement process. How long does that usually take? Who's involved in that process? Legal has their thing. Oh yeah, by the way, we sell software. Is there a security process that needs to happen? And I just had it happen with somebody the other day that they had no idea through another channel that there was a security review. And I'm like, well, that's that would have been good to know. I felt like I asked that question of you a few weeks ago, but you seem to not ask that to the customer. So it's just being proactive is going to continue to make you a better seller because you're working with them. You're con- you're becoming a cons- consultative, consultative voice. I don't know what that word is, right? To help guide them through the process too, that they may know. But I've had a lot of people ask me, like, man, that's a really good point. I didn't think about how long legal is going to take. Or I didn't think about vacations in the summer that could slow this thing down. And we want to onboard this at this time. And then people appreciate you for the your experience. And you're helping them navigate that process, too. Because the bigger the companies are, they have processes that they don't touch. But if you can get ahead of that, man, it, it, it saves you time, headaches, and it makes you look good to your prospective buyer about what you know and how you're trying to help them navigate the process
0: well and you're and you're becoming more of a and i hate this word the trusted advisor because like it's just so overused but really like you want to be that like you you use consultant um you're working backward to saying hey you know and that's something that i love to do now too like hey is there a specific date that you're like hey i want to have everything done and completed and like the solution actually rolled out because they're like hey we want to have this done for you know right now we work with i work with um uh hubspot specific learning management systems and sometimes customers are moving from another one to to where they are now and it's like hey what do you have a hard date on when you want to have this cut over and they're like hey we want to have it by q2 like okay well let's work backward if you want it to be live this day then we know that we have the onboarding that's going to take x amount of time and then it's okay well what else do you need What, what is your typical decision making process and you could work backward into it where you're not saying do you have a legal process? Do you have a procurement? What is the? What are the steps that it takes? It's, hey, let's yeah. work backward. Yeah. What do we need to do together? And yeah. and you're working together to that solution. And people really care about solving the problem that they're looking for. And it's not yeah. just about the, um, not about like the icky sales questions that I probably was asking when I was sitting next to you.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. We've both grown and learned some of those things about how do we become yeah, you're right. I hate that word too, the trusted advisor. But let's just, let's take. I feel like taking the advisor out is better. How do you become trusted? Right, right. How do you become trusted into that? People trust you to give them information. That's literally the word trusted advisor. But, but like, how do you well, become I mean, trusted in that to guide them through whatever is going on and trusted in other areas as well about what you what you you know propose to them.
0: So, and just two, two more points on this really quick. It's you could test your champions. If they don't know that process, then you know, they're not a, maybe a sophisticated buyer and you can't, yeah. you, you have yes. to question more of that. If they're like, Hey, it, I've done this before. It does this, this, and this, and we know this. And you're like, okay, you've, sounds like you've done yeah. this before, um, yeah. or you could exactly. tailor your talk tracks, um, there too, which I think is, um, is obviously is really important too. Yeah. Yep. All right. Now let's take it. Let's, Let's talk now about you know. So you studied sociology in college. You had all this great experience of selling at Bose. Now let's talk about you become a pastor, right? And oh, cool. I know that you yeah. have a, you have a line where you you had to sell. do You say sell Jesus. I, I said I, I said people like how did
1: you make the transition from from you know pastor to selling software? And I go well, I sold Jesus for so many years. I can why not sell software? And then, and then I go, which do you think's easier? <laughs> right? Like, you well, know.
0: Let's, let's, let's dive deeper into that though. What, it, what yeah. are some of those like, because you, you obviously know selling, right? It doesn't matter what you're sell, You're trying to sell this vision or whatever, somebody to agree with some kind of thought or vision or mentality or whatever the case yeah. is. Right. Talk to me about, um, the biggest lessons that you took from selling Jesus to how you're selling software <laughs> today. Yeah. Well, it's, you
1: know, the Jesus thing is, is, uh, it's a people game. And the more I'm in sales, I realize it, we're in the people game. People buy from people. Um, they don't buy they don't buy crap from people. So you have to have a good product. But like people buy from people, and you build that trust that we just talked about. So it was about how do I and I you know it, anybody from my old church listen this was I graded it. No, I was very young and immature and all that different stuff, right? So, um, but I learned about that it's a people game, and I didn't know when I started that how to sell myself and the things that I was good at and become visible into those things so I, I had to I wish I knew someone I know now isn't that the case for most of her life it's just you, you got to learn those things but like it was it's a people game you got to spend time with the people you have to build your network at a church just like you do in sales and make sure that people understand here's what I'm strong at here's where I'm struggle at would you help me with the things that I'm weak at uh, here's the things that you might not be great at that I could compliment, like, and just kind of working that thing out to make sure that you have, you can cast vision for what you can do in that world. And then caring for people. I mean, I posted on LinkedIn the other week, like uh, a video of an interview that I did with somebody and it was more of me talking to them. I said, like, I think a lot of this in sales is you just have to give a damn. Like you have to give a damn and you have to care about people. And like, if, you can do that then people will eventually notice that and build your trust and then you build your network out of that and people come back and they buy from you because
0: you cared about them at some point it's all about it's um yeah it's the the give a crap factor um which uh you know some people use another term for that um we're we're a kid-friendly show so i won't curse but um but all right you
1: can beat me you can bleep me out on that last one then
0: (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) we're all good um a pastor anyway uh all right um right. Right. the pa- <laughs> the pastor swore on your show come on wow so i didn't mean to throw you under the bus there but i figured no, out you're good so it's fun. good um, <laughs> um all right i know we're already flying through this this episode and, and time's already starting to, to to go a little quick talk to me so current day you're working for click you've been there for a couple years and you know you're you're selling uh, you know you're selling uh, a great solution Talk to me. You know, outside of selling, you've been a lot more active on social media, posting videos, and it sounds like there's been some um, some benefit for that too. Yeah. Talk to me about even though that's not a part of your main role, why is it so important for you to create content on social media, and and what drives you to keep doing it?
1: No, listen. I I knew this guy that I sat next to at this one job, and then (laughs) he started doing podcasts and posting videos, and then he was having conversations with cool people, and I was like. I'm jealous of his hairline and I'm jealous of his, of his podcast. So I got, I guess I got to do something. So no, so that was part of it. But so part of the cool thing about being a pastor too, is it was very creative. I did a lot of the music at our church. And and so it was a big creative outlet and I did some videos at church and would create some things. Um, so it was kind of neat. i learned some of that stuff and selling I liked because there's always a creative process. You're trying to structure deals and do this different creativity thing, but what I didn't realize was missing. I was at our sales kickoff last year and they did a, they did a whole uh, group of friends that I knew kind of did a thing about why social selling is important. And as a part of that, somehow they got me on stage and I had to do a pitch to someone. Um, and I did a quick little bit of research before I did the pitch and and I nailed the pitch. Like, and there was people voted and cheered and I I won the, the pitch. And I left that stage and I was like, that was fun. And I was like, it sparked something in me again from my time being on stage as a pastor and all that stuff. I was like, I miss doing that. And then went into this, I believe in social selling or something. This is a different creative outlet that I haven't explored. I feel like I need to get into it. And I took a couple months to like figure out what that niche would be because no one needs more noise. There's a billion podcasts out there. There's a billion videos on LinkedIn. You I don't want to just add to the noise. But I was like, what is something that like even if only a few people watch it or subscribe or whatever it is, they find it helpful. So at first that was just, you know, I worked with a friend, Claire uh, to come up with Kurt's people interviews, which is KPIs, which in the data world, which I'm in is quite hilarious. Um, and now I have a sign behind me that you can't see. It says KPIs. Right. So like that. And so I started interviewing um, a couple key customers that I liked that really liked me and getting someone I was like, man, there's great content here that I think, and this is no offense to marketing, they can't get to all of the individual stories in the smaller companies. So I was like, I'll do this. Let's go. Let's go with these smaller SMB companies that have great things. We're great in that market and produce some content that really shares that story. So that was that. And then I was interviewing people within in the company about things that were coming up. Um And then this year I started kicking off um, on Wednesdays is work on yourself Wednesdays, which was about like just what's going on in my head and like things that I'm dealing with that I'm working on. it's like, Hey, you know, maybe somebody else is in the same place and I'll try to keep it under a couple minutes and just say, here's what I'm working on. Maybe you should work on it too. And let's all get better at this together. So that's kind of been the social part. And it's um, I would love to tell you that I'm making a ton of money off of anything that I'm doing socially. And I would love to tell you that it's brought me a ton of money And I don't know that it has, but it has built um, really, really awesome connections outside of the company and within the company um, and great access to people that I didn't necessarily have access to before to ask questions that have only helped me in my selling. So um, love it. And it's a great creative outlet and it lets me make some music for the things I'm doing and edit things and Sometimes I'm stressed because I'm like, crap, I forgot to post that last night, but <laughs> like, I got to get up early and do that. But it's been a great creative outlet um, and to play with and, and learning curve, trying to do some more things.
0: I love that. And it, your goal doesn't have to be, hey, this needs to create business for me, right? For my podcast, I have three primary reasons why I do it. It's business acumen for myself so I could talk to a variety yep. of different people. It's yep. the second one, which should be number one, is building relationships with people that I would have yep. never had conversations with before. And then the third one is thought leadership. I have hundreds of hours of content that I could share and really more content that I, I actually can share. So again, it's uh, there, if you're trying to, to build out content or trying to think about that, it's another great reason why to start a podcast. So Kurt, this has been an unbelievable conversation. I see we have three minutes left on our clock. So, final question I love to ask every single guest on the show. If you were teaching, oh. you know the question? Oh,
1: listen, I know the question, and I forgot to prep for this. So, this well, here is we good. go. Here's you the question. For, response, do it.
0: Here's the question for those who are new to the show If you were teaching a College 101 class based upon all of your previous life and work experience, what would you teach and why?
1: It's a great question. I tried to start adding those questions to my interviews, but it wasn't as thoughtful. I was asking, what's your favorite burger so but that didn't get the same awesome and intelligent response as you're you're getting <laughs> uh, quicker response but um i don't know how you would teach this but it's what came to mind right away uh, if you could teach a class on empathy and caring for people and because i see that affecting Um, I see that pastoral role coming into play even more lately in my role, just with people that I talk to and like, just end up getting into deeper conversations about what's going on. But like so often we're so business focused on things and running through it that we miss um, those things. And we miss those markers and we miss the people that build quotes for us. And we miss the financial people that we need to get approval for. And if you just, have a little empathy and you can slow down and understand those things. And that all of these people are helping support you. So if you take some time to talk to them, find out what's going on in their life, like it shows you care and it just makes people fight for your success. So, I mean, I like, this is a slight brag, but I I won global inside sales rep of the year for a company just last week, uh, less than a week ago. And, um, the amount of response I got from people, like so well-deserved and stuff that I've just touched. I was like, and I I would hope that it is because I show them that I care and I appreciate them and I love them. And um, and hopefully they see some of my success as part of their success in reaching out. So um, empathy, if I could teach that as a college class, um, so people would care about people, that would be what I do.
0: That's a fantastic, fantastic way to end this episode. We are less than one minute Kurt, where can people learn more about you and everything else you have going on?
1: Yeah, you can follow me on LinkedIn, uh, Kurt, K U R T, folk, F O C H T. Um, and you can follow me on there. There's also a linked uh, YouTube page out there too that is at and the same Kurt folk. Uh, and I'm posting videos there fairly often.
0: Kurt, thank you so much, man.
1: Thanks, Tyler. It was great seeing you and hanging out. Appreciate it.